you go. Hey, welcome to Storytime with Ellie, and I am Ellie. And today we will be speaking with Tony Mantor. Get ready to be blown away by the extraordinary talent of Tony Mantor. This American singer-songwriter, pianist, and producer has an incredible career spanning decades. He has produced chart top and records worked with legendary performers, and even made his mark as an artist. Tony's musical expertise has reached international shores, and his dedication to nurture and talent is unmatched. With numerous awards and accolades under his belt, Tony continues to push boundaries and captivate audiences with his music. We want to welcome Tony Manter to Storytime with Ellie. Welcome, Tony. Hey. hey, Tony. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Great, great to have you on. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Great. Um, I'm going to hit you with a question that really sits, just kept like hitting me like I got to ask him this question. Today in the digital age, we, how do artists make money? <laughs> How do they make money with, you know, back in the, my day, we had records, CDs, um, cassettes. We went to a store and we would buy them. Today we have Spotify. We have all these other where we just pay a, a certain amount per month. Could you, would you be able to answer that for me? How, how do they make money, the artists today? Well, you know, um, I get that question a lot. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> that's not a problem. I mean, I mean, it's 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 on everybody's mind yeah, because because yeah. the the music business has changed so drastically over the last thirty years. When when you go back to like the mid nineties, you had just like in Nashville, for example, you had like 25, 26 major major record labels, and back then they wouldn't have a problem investing into an artist even if the first couple of years they didn't make a whole lot of money and they was developing them, building a name for them. And then once they started making, making, you know, hit records, then they would put them out there. They would perform, they would, they would sell merchandise, you know, albums back then. And, and then it would start, start really developing and, and growing in today's market. That doesn't happen as, as, as much because the development process is done more through the independence and, and the development companies like what I do. We we take and we go out there and we produce them. We we get them out there. We we expose them as much as we can. And then if we if we get enough followers and enough enough uh, social media going, then at that point in time they might look at at possibly getting them out there and, and doing something. Um, you know, you brought up Spotify and all that, but I mean, it started out with like Napster and all that. And, and it really, really hurt the songwriter because back in the eighties, the nineties, if a songwriter got just an album cut, they could easily, you know, if the artist was out there performing and, and even if it didn't become a single, it just, be, just was an album cut. 
a lot of sing, uh, songwriters could make themselves ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Fast forward to wow. today, they 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 don't make that kind of money because because if you unless they get on a Reba, Garth Brooks, uh, you know Taylor Swift, uh, some big big name that's out there selling merchandise and CDs and all that all the time, they'll make they'll make big money off from people like that. But for the intermediate artist, the ones that aren't the superstars but still a celebrity status, unless they're out there performing all the time, selling merchandise, the songwriter doesn't make as much money. So to answer your question about the artist end of it, yeah, the absolutely. only way the artist can make money is the artist has to get recognized as an entity and then be able to get booked and then go through the to go through the small clubs, build themselves to a more, uh, you know, go start out in that 100-seat venues. Then hopefully they build it up to two, 300-seat venues. Then hopefully they get it to the 500, the 1,000. If they can just keep building and, and doing it that way, then they've got opportunity of selling merchandise and selling CDs because even though CDs are going away because of streaming, there's still yeah. a lot of people that will buy a CD at a at a concert, you know. So so that's kind of the way they make money is is just by getting out there, performing, and selling everything they possibly can sell, you know, while they're while they're at that concert. Wow, that's amazing. Do you think it's harder today to get into the entertainment business? Um, With, it's is, harder. Is be competition. It, it's it's harder in well, let's see. Back back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, mm -hmm. you know, it was difficult to get out there because you didn't have social media. You didn't have you, you really had to get out and perform. But there was a lot of these companies, these smaller venues that would take chances on on artists. They would they would say, you know, you know, we'll, we'll give you a chance. We'll you know, pay you four or five hundred bucks or, you know, and, and come in. And they and they was making the money off the drinks and 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 food if they had it, you know, and then then if they didn't didn't uh, make what they wanted to at the at the ticket sales then uh they would and these venues would build a kind of like the major labels if they had an artist that would do well they would build them they would develop them and 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 bring them back and and then all of a sudden they're they're selling out you know but today I mean, they look at your social media. They look at they look how many followers you've got. They look at so many things, and and it makes it really, really hard for these artists to get a to get a start yeah. because because social media doesn't tell it. I mean, I mean, it's like I've got a friend of mine that lives out in L.A. and she's probably got I don't know thirty, forty, fifty thousand people that follow her, but I guarantee you that if you put her in a venue that she might be lucky to sell 50, 50 tickets out of that, but she's, but she's got 30,000 people that follow her. Wow. Just because people follow you doesn't mean they're going to go out and see you. So, you know, so that's where you got to build it. You've got to take and, and just do so many, so many other things. And these venues and, 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 and labels and everything, they've got to stop looking at the social media because social media doesn't tell everything is only a small part of the entity. Yeah. So it's like, they're, they're not really focusing on talent today or is that wrong to say that it's right no they do what they what they do i mean you got to have a certain amount of talent but or but they going um, by their social media how many people are following them yeah yeah i mean but but you got to stop and think 
a major label, mm -hmm. okay, I don't know how many people realize this, but to put a hit record out there, a major label will spend anywhere between $250,000 and $500,000. Wow. And then if it gets really, really going, they could spend up to a million dollars over a period of a year, you know, building and developing that artist. So, so um, they've got to have a certain amount of talent of something for, an, for a label to go out there and, and be willing to invest that kind of money into an artist to try and, and build them. But the difference is, is back in the 90s, if you sold 200,000 CDs, 2,000 albums, whatever, and you were like king or queen, today, if you sell 200,000, tomorrow you're out, you're out the door. You know, yeah, because it's... because they they just go on numbers. And I really believe that, especially in country, they didn't realize what they were doing. They made some mistakes because because when when achy breaky heart and songs like that started coming out and, and they started yeah. they started going after the the younger kids to develop the country market to make country kind of cool. What they forgot about is stop and think about this. In one year, you had the Backstreet Boys, you had NSYNC, and you had New Kids on the Block. And and each time one would come out, the new the kid the 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 kids, the fifteen year olds, the twelve year olds, whatever age they were that were following them, would start following the new boy band and the one that they were following. They kind of pushed them off to the side. And then when when country started doing that, they did the same thing. They started going out to these young kids and they didn't they I guess I guess, you know, they didn't stop and realize that it's not what you do for me yesterday. It's what you did for me today. And if you're not doing it today, they'll find somebody else that is back. But if you roll it back to the 50s and the 60s, when Johnny Cash and Loretta Lynn and and people, Patsy Klein, people, as soon as people started liking you, you had a fan for life. Yeah, but with the kids so in the 90s and 2000s, you had a fan for six months to a year until the new new kid came out with another single. So oh, you, it's so changed. You're talking, you're talking about like record labels and stuff. But like this day and age, I feel a lot of people are going the independent route. How do you feel they about are. artists going the independent route versus uh, collaborating with a big, lab, big, big record label? Well, um, major labels have kind of always owned the uh, you know the the buildings so to speak um and the buildings are the radio stations mm -hmm. so so when you when you look at uh, the top 200 markets across the united states an independent will not get in that chart i mean i've been fortunate enough i've i've recorded a few independents and and we've gotten into the monitored markets in the top 40 but it's really really hard you know and and um Whereas a major label can call up a New York number one market in the New York and say, hey, look, uh, let's make a deal. Uh, you want something here. We want something here. Let's make a deal and, and we'll give you so many shows for, you know, for this artist to come into your area and you can sponsor it. You know, so there's so many things that a major label can do that an independent can't. And back when Spotify and, and, and iTunes and all, all those markets were, were you know, being taken over by the independents, so to speak, that's when they kind of grasped and had a, had a, like a, a, a leg up on some of the major labels. But the one thing that an independent always has to remember is that when you have a major label and they've got millions of dollars that they can spend, they will figure it out. 
they will hire somebody and they will hire a group of people and say, okay, go out there and, and let's find a way where we can get our artists into these iTunes charts and all this and kind of take control again. And money wins over most of the time. So it's like, like to answer your question about independence versus, versus majors, an independent is always the best way to go if you can. Because independents are, they have more control of when they put their product out. They have more control of what their product's going to be. They have a lot more control of what they can do, whereas a major label is telling them what to do. But they have to stop and remember one thing. The music business is a business. You know, it's like, it's like if I decided that I wanted to go into, into uh, New York and I want to open a clothing store. Okay, I'm gonna to have to either go borrow the money from a bank or I'm gonna to have to have enough money myself to where I can go get rent, rent mm -hmm. the, the, the building, stock the, the clothes, hire the people, do the advertising. I have to do all that. That comes out of my pocket. And I have to find out the best way to do it. When you have a major label, They've got that kind of money and they can go in and they can just take and blitz it. And, and uh, ultimately they can outduel you because they've got more money. Mm -hmm. But an independent has got to remember that they're paying for everything themselves. So if they go, if they go out there and they, they want to uh, get advertising, they got to spend their money for it. If they want to take and go in the studio, they got to spend their money for it. You know, whereas, whereas a major label, will spend the money and the artist will pay it back on percentages. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is if, a, if an artist doesn't have that kind of money, then yeah, unfortunately they're going to have to try and get that major label because, because it's a business and it's all about the money. Mm. Wow. Um, quick question about um, your production and development company, Plateau Music became an independent record label. Can you share with us some of the challenges and triumphs you experienced why building that? Yeah, in, in 1993, uh, I moved to Nashville and I opened up Plateau Music as a production development company. So I worked with uh, singers, songwriters, you know, doing productions and giving them the highest quality project I could give them mm -hmm. so that we could pitch them to the major labels. Then in 2005, uh, I had an artist that didn't want to wait. They Because like, for example, um, I had an artist in front of a major label and that label really liked my artist. And they said to me, they said, you know, we'll sign her right now. But the problem was, is it was going to be a year and a half before they could release the singer to radio oh because they, gosh. yeah. I mean, because, because they've, they've just got a certain, uh, they got the pipeline of, of things that they do and, and the they've got contracts to follow. And so they, they plan things out, you know, far ahead, whereas an independent can drop it tomorrow. But a major label has got groups of people that that go over what they release and when they're going to release it and what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. So it's like a union. <laughs> yeah. So I um, I had a singer in, in 2005 that didn't want to wait, you know, because because I explained I explained to her, I explained, you know, to, to everybody that was in, in her entourage that, you know, I could pitch around to the majors, but it, it it could take a, a year or so before, before we could get a deal. And then once we get a deal, it could be another year before they release it. You just don't know what, what the deal is going to be. Wow. And so, what would the alternative be to that? Well, then in, in that case, what we did is, is we actually released 
to radio ourselves and we bypassed the majors and we got, we, we got some hit records out there and we worked it and, and we built it and, and just kept that development process is which, which is what major labels do. So it's a, it's a process. So each time that I did that, uh, I moved up, I got people in the charts. Uh, then I started working with, with, uh, like I worked with Jackie Wilson's son, Bobby for about eight years and took him to radio and, and got him developed, got him performing. Um, you know, and then it just kept working to the point of where I started getting a better, better name and bigger name out there, more exposed. And people started calling me, Hey, can you do this for me? Like you did for them. So then it's, then it's, then I have to sit down and I have to listen to them what they are now. I have to look at them and say, okay, what can I make them? How can I develop them? Can I make them competitive? Uh, can I oh, put them at the radio wrong. and will radio accept it? There's a lot that goes into yeah. it that people don't realize. We don't know. Why, we, how would we? We only hear the song on the radio. Exactly. And we don't and, know. That's why you're on here telling us or educating yeah, us. And, and you know, what a lot of people don't realize that when I work on a, on a record that I'm going to take to radio, Mm-hmm. If you listen to it, you hear it for three and a half minutes. I've got a hundred hours into that three and a half minutes. Wow. Wow. You know, so it takes a lot of time to arrange it, produce it, you know, record it, uh, develop it, you know, mix it, master it. I mean, it's just so much that goes into that that people don't realize. And and when when I see I've got um, friends that follow me on Facebook and I see what they do and all that. And every every now and then I'll I'll see an artist that says, ah, my release is going to be released tomorrow. New song coming out. And I'll look at it and they release it to iTunes and all the streaming platforms. Okay, that's not a release that that's putting it out there. You know, unless you've got a release is is something unless you've got thousands and thousands of fans so that when you release a song, they go to iTunes and they download it and buy it. It's not a release. You mm-hmm. put it up there and you you just hope that people are going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, you know, somebody putting a song on iTunes and putting it out there for all the social platforms. It's kind of like um, putting a car up for sale, but you don't put any advertising on it so people know it's for sale. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have a promotion and and a, a process behind it because iTunes, Spotify, you know, all those social media pro, uh, all those uh, you know streaming platforms, mm-hmm. all they are is a store, and you put your song in that store. But if you've got a million people that that go on to Spotify and iTunes on a daily basis. But they don't know it's there. No. And you no, don't have any advertising many. promoting this there. You get lost in the shuffle and and it's really not a release. It's just something that you're putting out there and hoping that it catches wind. You know, Tony, you said that there was a, a lot of steps involved from the time that the song is recorded to the time it's released. Just off the top of your head, give me a number here. How many steps does it take from the time you write a song to the time it gets released? Um well, you know, if a person writes a song, the first thing they got to do is is do a demo. And it doesn't have to be a full-blown radio-ready demo. It's just got to be good enough so that when you pitch it to a label or you pitch it to a publisher or you pitch it to an, a singer, that they can hear it and and say, you know, I kind of like this. Now, if I was to record this, 
what would I do? So that's the first step. Demos. You sync that. And the first step is you you play the song. You take your notes. You. Yeah. 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 yeah, We recorded it. (laughs) Yeah. The the, the first thing is, is you write the song. The second thing is you demo the song. And then once you demo, then it gets in the hands of a producer. Let's say I I hit somebody sends Mm -hmm. it to me. I like it. Then I play it to my my artist and I say, okay, here's a song. I want you to listen to it. I like it. I think it's got a lot of potential. I hear what I'm going to do for it. You've got to hear that you can sing it. And hopefully that song resonates with the artist so that they go, yeah, I can can see myself singing that. So then we get into arrangement, instrumentations. Um, Then we get into the studio. We cut the tracks. Then then. Each day we work on the vocal. Then once we get the vocal done, we work on a background vocals, any overdubs of instrumentation we want on it. Then we get into mixing it. Then once it's mixed and we like it, it's all done. Then we get into mastering. Then we get into duplication. Or if, it's, if we're not going to duplicate it right away, then we get into putting it on a forum so that we can get it out there to radio and then we hire promotion then we hire pr so that we can we can get interviews for the artist and you just keep building it and this can't be this can't and anybody that thinks that if they i mean i remember and 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 this is how naive i was at one time i remember when i was first starting out as a singer and i'm going man if i could just get a top 40 hit record i've got it made I'll be able to perform. I'll be able to get out there. Wow. And, and, yeah, yeah. and one record doesn't do it. You've got to go out there consistently and you've got to keep hammering away because unfortunately, when people hear you, if they don't hear you coming out with another one right after it, they forget about you. You, It's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, um, when you, when you sit down at night and you, you watch a TV show, you see McDonald's. You don't see one McDonald's ad, you see a hundred McDonald's ads. And wow. and you see it every day because McDonald's and all yeah. these big companies have realized that unless they're out there advertising all the time, that they are going to get forgotten. And that's the same thing on anything, yes, especially it is. music. Music and anything in life. It has to be repetitive. You have yes. to constantly see it. It almost like gets into your head, right? Like you have to see it. They they get in our brain. But same thing with the music. When you hear it on the exactly. radio and we've done it for years, you hear it on the song. How many times we've heard a song and said, you know, I don't know if I care for it. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're like, I think I like that song. You're humming <laughs> like, it. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Oh, I think I like it now. Because we exactly. it's, you keep hearing it. You keep hearing that same song and eventually. But just listen to what you're saying. It, it, I think we take for granted a little bit about the production of a song and music and what an artist has to go through, we don't realize, or I don't realize that it's a lot, it's a lot of steps. It's, you know, like you said, we're hearing the finished version of it. You know, they hear it on the radio. We're right. listening to it. Okay. Wow. This is beautiful. But what they had to go through to get it, to get it there. It's, it's just amazing. And a lot of work. Does that, yeah, take, I mean, away, I, does that I, take away from uh, the creativity that it has to go through so many different um, channels? No, actually, if you've got a good, if you've got good production, um, you've got a good producer, good management, all that, um, they all work together and, and create a better, hopefully a better version of the singer, you know, because, 
because um, when when I take when I take a singer in the studio, and and this is something that that people don't really realize how difficult it is when you're in that recording studio recording that that music, because. I tell everybody that when when I bring them in, I'm looking for a vocal performance in the studio. If it's a love song and and it's got a few lines, you you've got to know how to put the breath on on a certain note. Mm. You've got to know how to you've got to know how to sell that song so that when that listener hears it for the first time, it grabs them and shakes them so that they go, "Oh, I love that song." And and that's an easy thing to do when you're on stage in front of 25,000 people. Because your adrenaline's going, you're you're pumped, you know, you're rocking, everything's just great. But to bring that kind of energy, which is what you need in the studio and get that vocal performance, that's where I have to bring it out of them as a producer and dig it and dig it and dig it until we get it. Kind of what Joel's doing with me. (laughs) 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 Yeah, wow. It's amazing. Um, Oh, my goodness. Oh my God! Hold on a second here, uh, Phil. Do you have a quick question you want? Yes, we were just I, we were discussing questions we wanted to ask you, and Phil had a couple yes. of really good ones. All right, so, so you can hit them. I used to, I used to I tried to do music producing when I was uh, a little bit younger before I got into podcasting. But I really want to know your opinion as a producer, as a singer, as a songwriter. What separates a good song from a great song? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, a good song can become a great song, you know, because I, I've taken songs that people have listened to and they go, ah, I don't know if it's, it's got it. You know, I'm going, well, you know, let's go take it in the studio and hopefully we can, can get that studio magic. And if we can get that studio magic where the, where the musicians really feel it and, 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 and then all of a sudden we start building that and then the singer gets in and gets the vocal performance so that it really, really shines, then a, a good song can become a great song. Or, you know, but the only thing is what, what, uh, what people fail to realize is sometimes you can take and take a great song and make it an okay song because because yeah because because production is is listening and adding it's kind of like when you're cooking you know you know right you know you know how to take and put that that spice in but you don't put in too much spice so it overwhelms it you just get that taste that that oh yeah that's it that's the right one you know and and it's like we have become a society of perfection which really in my my mind hurts the music business because if you if you go back into the 50s the 60s the 70s some of the biggest some of the biggest and best songs were some of the most imperfect ones. If you listen to it, you might hear a piano that was out of tune a little bit. You might have a guitar that's a little off. The singer missed a little note here. But it was so damn good that you didn't want to try and duplicate that because you might not get it again. Because back then, back then, you didn't have the ability to take and cut and paste. You had to redo. So back then, we had two-inch tape. So if we were recording on two-inch tape and a, and a guy says, you know, I think I can do a better better take on that, you was recording and erasing the already better take that he just had, so you better make sure that it's better. If it comes out worse, then you got to take and rework and rework it to try and hope that you get what you lost. Mm. So now, because we don't, we don't, we have, you know, we have, you know, 
Cubase and and Pro Tools and all that, so that we can take and and have a hundred tracks. To back then, we only had eight, sixteen, twenty-four. You know, so so now they can hold something over and keep doing it and doing it until they finally think that they've got it perfect. And sometimes perfect is just too smooth. It's not. It's not perfect because because you're Great. making it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. it's that edge, that rawness that really sells the emotion that grabs the people that go, oh, man, I, I can feel that. Wow. Uh, Phil has another question. We, <laughs> we feel the questions. Okay. No, no, th- this is fascinating. It's, it's good to have a perspective of someone who's a part of the industry. Who's, yeah. Who's been a part of the industry for, we're, for we're a We're so fortunate to have you on yeah. here. So you've, been, you've, no, seen, you've seen yeah, everything, you. really. Yeah. I want to ask you, this is, this is something that's new nowadays. Um, a lot of artists are buying back their masters, right? Yes. Um, how yes. do you feel about that? And how do you feel about what happened with Taylor Swift to where she had to re-record a lot of her original tracks because she didn't get access to that? Well, see, that's where we got into the business, you know, we was talking about a little bit earlier, you know, because because um, actually um, I had an artist back that was big back in the 80s that came to me. And this is the this is a sad part about about the major labels, because the major labels back then uh, they would they would sell CDs because uh, back then it was cassettes to eight tracks, you know, whatever, whatever it was, you know, and, and then the, the, back then the major labels had a deal with the artists where they took a certain percentage of the, of the sale, kept it and gave, gave the other percentage to the artist. But the problem was, is the, the major label would say, let's say, you know, over a period of time, they said, well, we've invested a million dollars in you, but you've only given us back, you've only paid us back 250000 So in the 80s, I had, uh, well, actually just about, oh, just a few years ago, I had a singer that came to me that had some of the biggest hits in the late 70s and early 80s. And, and she wanted to re- re-record her biggest hits for the same reason Taylor Swift did and all these others, because the when they went to make CDs to sell at their performances, the major label would charge them an upcharge to duplicate those CDs to pay back the money that they owed them. What? So like this, this particular artist said that she owed $750,000 to the, to the major label. And she was big in the late seventies and early eighties early 80s and to had some of the biggest hits that was out there there is no way in the world oh that she God. actually really owes that money but in contract she did yeah that's a, that's a dirty deal yeah yeah there's a lot of them there's a lot of dirty deals out there so with oh. taylor swift buying her masters back she gets control by by re-recording them and doing all that she gets 100 percent complete control of it Smart. because she wrote it <laughs> You know, she wrote the song yeah. and and now she's re-recording them. So when she go puts them out there, she has complete control and she's making the money back for her investment. Wow. Whereas if she put them out there and bought them off the label, then she's not making as much money. She's having to pay X amount of dollars to the label because they own the rights still. So much knowledge. Thank you, Tony. My goodness. But I'm going to... um jump over skip a little bit here on I have so many I have like 900 questions but I'm not going to ask them to you <laughs> um but one 
you're working on some projects today, or artists actually. You're working with some artists. Would you be able to share that with us on who and what you have in in the pipeline coming up? Sure. Um, <clears throat> for those people that remember Glenn Campbell, um, I'm working with uh, his daughter Debbie. Okay. We uh, we we just finished up a uh, single with her over in the UK, and then uh, probably later this summer, early fall, we're going to release another single over there. Um, for people that remember Happy Days, um, yes, I've got uh, I got Ralph Mouth, which is Donnie Most, and he's kind of a um, Frank Sinatra, Bobby Darin swing style music. Great singer. Oh, wow, cool. And we, we we just finished an album with him, and I just just released a single to radio here um, just the last week or so, and we're starting to promote that. We actually looked for. Um, Phil, would we were we able to pull up some of them? Um... Yeah, which one do you want? Yeah, do you mind? We're gonna play um, Debbie Campbell a little bit, her sure. first song. Yeah, and then also we found Donnie Moe. And this is, this is Debbie. Sunflower. This is Sunflower, Debbie Campbell. You sure do make it like a sunny nice. Let play for just a second. Yeah. Sunflower. Cool. I'm gonna play your song. Yeah, well, we're going to play his in a second, but we're going to, we got Donnie Most, just got a little, and I've, oh, I like this one. Yeah, it's great to know that the, this one's got a good vibe. What a voice! I love it. I, to play. We didn't know. He, I didn't know he sang. Happy days. Yeah, I didn't know he sang. Beautiful. What a price to pay. Nice and beautiful. All right, now I got yours here. <laughs> Can we? Well, this is him. Yeah, and Tony's gonna talk a little bit about that we kind of we're just all over work this is there's a mountain wide and high it reaches halfway to the sky yeah beautiful song i like this one too tony well thanks and, and tony's gonna explain to us we just do everything fast here you know we're just like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> we're all good right tony no I that's I good it's gonna be like just gonna talk. Let's like we were sitting. A, a, a little bit of controlled yeah, chaos. Yeah, controlled just a chaos. Ah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, because you had all the like so many things about you that we were like, oh my god, he did this, he did this, and this. Yeah, now of decades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you can explain um, a little bit about that song and how it came about and where we're well, going with that song today. Okay, that song that you just played was my first version of that. Um, what I what I did is is um, I've been recording people for the last you know 20, 30 years mm-hmm. yeah, and and then um, I, I felt like you know it's like maybe it's time for me to do one just for the fun of it but I never got the time so the pandemic hit and and it's like all of a sudden all the shows are canceled all this all the all the all the sessions are canceled i mean i mean nashville's a ghost town you can drive down there and 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 i I literally drove down broadway and there was only i saw two people i can't imagine that being a ghost town 
Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So I decided that, that it was time to maybe work on my own project, something I wanted to do earlier. So I did, I started picking songs that, that I had either sang before or performed before. Mm -hmm. And then I had some friends of mine here in Nashville that had written a bunch of great songs. I decided, Hey, let's put some of those together. And so this, um, um, the songwriter that um, I had produced a song that he and another guy had co-written about five or six years earlier on a, another artist I was working with. He sends me this song and it's called Why Not Me? And I and he goes, I want you to hear this. I think it's one of my better songs I've written. And I heard it and I'm going, whoa, this is me. I mean, everything that I put out on my social media is about never giving up on your dreams. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, and, right. and really what was really ironic is a year earlier, I had put out a, a thing, a statement on my on my social media. And I, and I had used, you know, hey, if you see other people doing it, you know, think to yourself, why not me? And I'm going, man, this is unbelievable. So I. Mm -hmm. I, I produced it as, a, as kind of a pop song. And then what I did is I put a steel in it just to give it a little texture, kind of like mm -hmm. the Eagles used to do. Mm -hmm. And and friends of mine said, when they heard it, they said, oh, you, you produced a country song. And I'm going, no, no. you know, it's not country, but if you want to call it country, call it whatever you want. Yeah, because that know, little so steel makes it sound like it's it's got that what yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Boy. but the thing is, I, yeah. I, I did it more to for texture, kind of like the Eagles, yeah. you know. So so uh, my my promoters in New York, Nashville, L.A., in London said, man, you got to release this song. And I'm going, you're crazy. I'm not trying to be a singer again. I'm just doing this for the fun of it, my own enjoyment. And they said, yeah, but there's nothing positive out there right now. And, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. We need something positive. So yeah. we released it and it, it made some of the country charts and it did well over in the UK and Europe and all that. And, and then I decided that if I was going to take and release the song, I had to have some other good happen to it. So I, um, I did a video on it and uh, I paid tribute to our first responders. Nice. Mm -hmm. So so I told a few friends of mine that, that uh, were police and firemen, hey, I'm going to do this. Uh, just tell anybody that, that can get me pictures or whatever. And before too long, it got out there. And, and I mean, I was getting pictures from first responders all over the country. Mm. You know, and so yeah. I put it together. I put it together and, and released it. And it went about, I don't know, five or six months. And, and then it, then it kind of died off. And I'm going, okay, that was fun. So, so I kind of <laughs> felt like that was it. And then a couple of three months later, I had this lady call me out of St. Louis. And she goes, can you do for us what you did for the first responders? And I'm going, who's us? Mm. And turns out she's a speech therapist for autistic children. Wow. So, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm going, you know, let me think about that. That's, that's, uh, you're going to require a lot of thought, you know, because, because when you get into something like that, you got to plan out what you're going to do, how you're going to handle it. You know, so I decided that I was going to do it. So I went in and I re-recorded it as an adult contemporary pop. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's called wine on, on iTunes It's called why not me remix, you know? So, so we put it out and, in, and then I created a video for it and I called it Why Not Me Nashville. So mm. in that video, all the people that joined me in that video are all autistic. So I've got 
I've got people in 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 that video that you can see just by looking at them. I wish that I would have known that. We could have. Well, you can you can go back <laughs> look at it. <laughs> you know, but no, but um, the, the podcast. You you can see clip. it. You can mm-hmm. you can see in the video that there are people that are in that video that need help on a daily basis. Oh, and then wow. you can see on that on in that video people that are making their transition into the workforce. I've got a guitar Beautiful. player that's that's fully functional and, and played in it. Uh, and and all of a sudden people it just it just grabbed a hold. I mean I've got I don't know around 210, 212,000 views on it, I guess. And 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 uh, I've gotten interviews all across the country. I've got interviews in the UK, Australia, Europe. And now it has grown so f- quickly and so strongly that I'm creating another video and it's going to be called Why Not Me the World. Wow, and, beautiful. And I'm going, to have, I'm going to have people from all around the world that are in the autistic community join me in that video. And we're going to put that out later this summer. And wow. then... It has springboarded into a podcast that I'm starting here next month, and it's going to be called yep. "Why Not Me?" The World Podcast, and I'm yep. going to interview people. But I've 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 done I've done a little research on on these podcasts, you know, for for autism and all that, and and there's a lot of them out there, and and the the highest majority of them tend to talk about the scientific part of it. Uh, they talk with doctors, they talk with you know different people than within the community that 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 talk you know that part about it but i'm doing one that tells stories you know because because i've had in the last six months that i've been that i've been working on since i released the single why not me the world you know why not me you know nashville i've had so many people that have called me up and or it's messaged me and they've told me so many stories about their life or their kids lives or their brothers and and it's just it's actually overwhelming. It's amazing. You know, the, yeah. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take and create this podcast, and I'm going to talk mm-hmm. with people all over the world, and they're going to tell me their stories. And like, I have I've some got for a, you. I, oh, that's, I all, I, I, I've got a, I, that's great, because I, I, I want to include yeah. everybody. Authentic, I mean, I've got a lady out of, uh, out of London. Uh-huh. I've got a lady out of London that's um, she's a uh, autistic spoken word poet and she is just so fantastic wow. she's going to be on it um i'm just going to try and tell stories and i feel that mm-hmm. that if like let's say somebody's telling me their story from london and then somebody in new york or la or or boston or wherever it might be hears that and they 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 can kind of relate to that story then hopefully they'll go wow this person's going through the same thing as i am and they'll feel less alone because they know somebody else is going through it too yeah. yeah, Tony, my son, um, my son is very low functioning mm-hmm. and he's nonverbal. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so this would be something great for, for not, not for him, but for parents. Well, how me. about you being on my podcast yeah, and let's it, talk about it. It would be great yeah. for, for uh, parents like me to, to hear, you know, yep. his story and, and uh, to hear about uh, other people's stories too. So I think that's, that's, I think that's yeah. something that's mm-hmm. going to be great. Well, you know, I had a I had a lady out of out of Kansas City, and and um, she's started a um, she started a, um, a a charity for autistic people, and and she um, um, she says that that the one thing that she really likes about what I'm doing is the fact that that I don't have anybody that's autistic in my family. I just got friends that have autistic children and i've got friends that got autistic grandkids and stuff like that so 
she says that 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 most of the people that that uh, get involved in autism have some autism in their life and she thinks that it's just really really good and she thinks that mine's going to do good because i'm being a a voice for the autistic without having anybody autistic in my family so so i'm i'm hoping that that she's right and i can bring some some good feelings to people and help out wherever i can okay tony before we go i want to play a little game i want to play okay. a little game with you okay i have uh, I, I know during ellie's intro i put a couple of pictures up so yeah. I want I want to put some of those <laughs> pictures up again, and I want you to tell me if you remember the story behind the photo. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So first one here we got. Let's share. Yeah. Okay. Um, the story behind that is I had an artist that I was working with, and um, we did um, songs that uh, we did a song that that supported the. Um, the military wise, it was called Hero at Home. Really good song, really good singer. Um, and we we got involved with with the uh, uh, you know Pentagon and the Fisher House and and so we we had actually get a chance to was up in Washington um, doing a doing a, a, a I think a function for retiring generals, and we got a chance to go over to the Fisher House and meet and greet some of the some of the uh, parents of of uh, that had family in the Walter Reed. So then we got a chance to actually tour the Walter Reed and actually meet some of the some of our our uh, you know military that 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 was there. And there was three entities that day that got to um, you know tour. It was me and my artist, Cher, and the New York Yankees. So after we finished hold, it, hold up, hold up, hold up. That's the, the that's like the biggest like range right there yeah all my artists are share in the yankees okay yeah yeah, yeah like come on <laughs> so, <You're> so modest <laughs> so um um afterwards we went back to the fisher house and Cher came over and i got a chance to you know sit down and talk with her a little bit and 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 uh, that's so that's how i met her was at the fisher house Oh, very do cool. you, and for those people that don't life? know the fisher house the fisher house is is kind of like the ronald mcdonald Mm. Uh, hospital for family of of kids well the fisher house is the uh they have like uh 20 plus units where the family of of the soldiers while they're in the hospital can stay there for free okay all right we got nice. two two more pictures here okay oh here we go okay. we got more picture time pictures with tony okay that that was um that was at uh, that that was in washington again but that was at the um um uh what is it they just what's that who is that again that's larry king yeah that was yeah that was at the uh oh i'm 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 it's it's the um um it was held in washington dc and it's the uh, it's where the journalists all get together and the, with the president and it was just uh uh, they just had one uh, just here. Uh, I don't know a month or so ago, uh, uh, and and it's uh, you've got stars that come there. You've got you've got dignitaries. You've got I mean it's 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 just uh, unbelievable how many people wow. show up there. Yeah. You know, and that Amazing. and and that and that one was when George Bush was uh, president, and I um, I actually got a picture of him too in there someplace. Wow. One more. Do, one did more we here. see? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What was the next? 
Pull it up. <laughs> All right, this one. I don't know who's in this photo though. So you gotta you gotta explain to me. I'm, I might be a little too young. Here. Okay, um, that was backstage at the Grand Ole Opry, and and um, um, they, uh, if you um, if you look at at I mean if you if you bring up my my site and you look at the name on that and you Google him, um, he 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 was it, um, it was George Hamilton the fourth and the fifth. And George was, if you if you Google him, I mean, he had a bunch of hits back in the '60s and and '70s, and and he was truly an ambassador to to um, country music. I mean, he would be backstage wow. at the Grand Ole Opry, and he'd sit there, and and I mean, just the stories that he would tell, and 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 it was just just fabulous to be around him. Wow, so much history and and knowledge and amazing speaking with you today tony amazing amazing i actually um was at the uh grand Ole opera last week right. when i was in tennessee and it was amazing what a feeling to walk on the stage oh, yeah. that it was yeah. like oh my god and the, the the history and i got to tour all those little the rooms where it was if you ever go there phil have you ever been to tennessee yet no never been to tennessee. you need to go to tennessee and and actually tony you're the one that suggested to go with the grand old opera just go yeah. it. and i'm glad i did it and oh my god what it was it was fantastic to stand on it there, is what to think yeah even even if you don't like country music you know it's history. it's no, there's um, so much history it's there. it, there's so much history there mm -hmm. um it's just it's just unbelievable i mean it's like going into it's going in. It's it's. I tell everybody, and and this um, this is where where I tell artists because because a lot of the artists will say, oh my my goal is to be on the Grand Ole Opry. And, you know, if I make it on the Grand Ole Ole Opry, I've made it. I've I've made it. It's you know, and that is so far from the truth. I mean, it is, uh, and I I don't like to burst anybody bubble or anything, but the Grand Ole Opry, you know, or in and other places that have that kind of stature. It's just another venue to perform at. You know, mm. you you perform there doesn't mean you've made it. Doesn't mean that 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 you're going to take and go go uh, from from there to but, a bigger. But place see how it's next played week. up. You see yeah. the marketing on the. I mean, hey, I it paid is. to walk in there, so I, mean, <laughs> I bought a sure. ticket to see the lights. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but it was I mean, it's, yeah. it, it is. I mean, and there's a lot of places out there that are, that are really great and have a lot of great history. You know, but but you've got to take it in context that it's just another piece of the puzzle that you can use to build a body of work. Mm -hmm. There's so many, um, and there's just so many artists when I was there on the, you know, playing in all the different venues there. Yeah. But in the, and they all have the same dream. Is that why they're there? Or they're playing to maybe, um, yeah. be, to get spotted, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I always tell people that, that, um, you know, they got to remember when they come to Nashville, it's not like the movies. You're not going to go down on Broadway and a producer comes in and says, Oh, where have you been all my life? And then all of a sudden you're a star. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, oh but gosh. yeah, people come to Nashville, you know, as long as they come to Nashville for the right reason, they come here to network, they come here to, to meet people you know, to, to work with other people and, and build and grow because it's a, it's a long process. I mean, I know so many people that have been in this business that have left Nashville because they've become jaded of it because, mm. because, mm. because they come here thinking that it's going to be something. And then it turns out that it's not, mm. you know, and, and unfortunately that's 
every business. I was going to say I mean, anything in life is that way. It you is. Can't, we all try. Everyone tries for something and it doesn't always work. You got to try right. to keep going. You have to keep going. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Well, I have another question um, for you. Um, looking ahead with all of your accomplishment, what advice, what advice would you give inspiring artists and producers? Um, the biggest thing that I think needs to be done when you want to be a singer or mm -hmm. songwriter or producer, engineer, whatever you want to be, mm -hmm. is, is go out there and learn as much as you can about your craft, you know, because, because it is a craft and it's a learned craft. You know, you have to take and learn how to sing properly. You know, you have to learn how to sing and put the emotion on the right words, the right mm -hmm. phrasing. I mean, it's not just, just go up there and sing it the way you want to feel um, and mm. do the best possible quality work that you can do because over a period of time, that period of time can be months, years, decades. I mean, it can be anything, but if you go and look at their body of work, then you can see where they started to where they are now. And hopefully they've grown at whatever they're doing. Wow. I mean, because pick out your art, pick out your favorite, favorite artists that you like and go back and listen to that artist when they were first starting out and see what they are now, because you will see a transformation yeah. on how they've grown and developed and evolved and reinvented themselves. Well, I'll be honest with you. And I'm, Nothing to plug him, but Kid Rock, to me, was one. I mean, he changed his music. I mean, he even did a little country. Yeah. Didn't he? Like, he started with a different type of music. Then he was doing country, and now he's doing something else. And, yeah, I mean, Yeah, I mean, do. you can pick any. I mean, yeah, I mean look at Bob Seger. I mean, look at Bob Seger. I mean, he started out, he was a rocker. And then all of a sudden, you know. Uh, same thing. Uh, yeah, same thing. He started mm -hmm. doing some stuff that, that kind of crossed over in the country. And and now he goes out and does some acoustic stuff. He does he does a full band stuff. I mean, he just turned, what, 78 the other 78. day. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, there's a lot. You yeah. can probably name a whole list. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's yeah. amazing. That's art. That's talent. I mean, it's amazing for them to be able to do this. It is. But um, it is. Listen, Tony, listen, it was great having you on today. We're going to have to bring you back. Yeah, a lot of knowledge. We learned a lot about the music. Yeah, I appreciate it. Great. I appreciate it. It was great. great. Yeah, great. Tony, how you. can they find you? Yeah. They can uh, They can find me, of course, on, on uh, TonyMianter.com. Uh, they can uh, go to any social media platform. It's just at Tony Mantor. Uh, YouTube is Tony Mantor. And, I mean, it's pretty pretty easy to find me. Okay. Good. I, I, we need to have a whole other podcast yeah. about the food, the food in, in Nashville. I want to know. Well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I got like nine million questions I had written down here, and I'm like, and I was just there last week. So yeah, the food and everything, and the restaurants, and all the entertainers. I'm going on here, and all the entertainers buying restaurants, opening restaurants. Yeah, we'll talk. They about are. That. Yeah, that's gonna be another podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tony, better get a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tony. Uh, it's all good. Thank All you right, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, thanks. thanks it was great. On. I enjoyed thank it. You. Thank you. Mm -hmm.